Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, hello, C4. <laughs> hey, great to be with you guys. Uh, great to have everybody joining us online as well, those maybe who were uh, working another shift or uh, are traveling. And special welcome to those joining us from C4 Bowmanville. We're, uh, there's going to be a shout out for you for Bowmanville, so just... just wait for it, okay? And, uh, and hello again to everybody here. It's great to be here, and as I was kindly introduced, I am an Anglican minister, and uh, yeah, you can, you, can, you can say something about that. You know, there we go. That's really nice. And you know, one of my mentors from another large uh, Canadian mainline church once said this to me, Graham, do you ever feel like you're giving your congregation everything they need? They're learning the scriptures, they love each other, they're discipling others, but all of this is a cover story for your real mission, the reformation and revival of the church. In my case, I'm hugely privileged that we do have a congregation like that in Montreal where I can be excused to come and join you guys, and I can't imagine anywhere better to be than here with you at C4 along with my friends uh, of some significant years now, with uh, Chris Vache and I, who've known each other for quite a while now. We've been uh, working, really, I've just been following Chris in trying to do what I can in uh, seeing some worship leaders gather around Canada. Uh, it's been a privilege to get to know Jonathan through, uh, a lot through Alpha, which we'll be talking about uh, throughout my, my, uh, my talk, my story with you today, uh, and through Dave with uh, another part of the story of looking across the church in Canada and saying, Lord, what does it mean to see a new season? And it's really been a privilege to get to know you guys, and it is a real privilege to be invited here. So thank you uh, again for this invitation. Now, okay, you're being a little bit quiet because I think I said about the Anglican thing, right? So the, 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 just so you know, I come from the kind of slightly more Pentecostal side of the Anglican church. So yeah, come on, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah, I, but I want to also make you this deal that if I can't hear from you like an amen or a hallelujah or that's good or you can just say anything. You could say, please finish soon, please finish, but if you say it loud, whatever you say like that will hurry me along and I will finish earlier. You'll get to lunch sooner. Is that a good deal? So there we go. We don't want to be too early for the kids though. They're having a great time out there as well. So our summer teaching series that we've just heard about looks at a number of conversion stories from the Bible. Uh, I know we've heard recently about Nicodemus. We're going to hear throughout this series from, you know, Saul Paul, from Abraham, from the man healed with, uh, from leprosy, the woman at the well, and, and Jesus' own wrestling, his own turning of heart in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible also has a number of conversion stories that we hear of, we know happened, but we don't get all the details of. We see the fruit of what happens in those stories, and we have to go back and pick up the pieces to understand. In some cases, there's a mysterious story. It's almost like a spy story. And we're going to turn into one of those on the book of Acts. Now, I did not always grow up as a spy. You're happy to know. Uh, I grew up in Guelph, Ontario. Anybody from Guelph, Ontario or any? You guys are the same as this morning. I, there's going to be a field trip from C4 <laughs> to Guelph 
This is unbelievable. I grew up in an amazing Christian home, and most of my family were medical folks, doctors, and nurses. My father is from the Caribbean and is of Indian ethnicity, and my mother is, uh, was born in England to Scottish migrant parents who came over to Canada after the Second World War. So I'm kind of a typical Indian-looking Canadian guy, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you know, you guys have Sundar Krishnan coming later on this month and Vijay Krishnan. Now, Sundar Krishnan is really Indian. But Vijay Krishna is the same as me. He's just an Indian-looking Canadian guy. So we think we think we can be speaking a little bit like that, and it's okay, you know. And but we we have no right to do that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, mais je je parle aussi français. On est on fait la ministère en, en, au Québec, à Montréal. Yeah, nice. Thanks. It's nice you guys like that. You want to hear my Nigerian accent? I could do that too. You want to hear it? <laughs> so I used one of my favorite churches to go to in London is a Nigerian church led by Pastor Agu. And I would turn up at 7 p.m. for the start of the prayer meeting. But I did not know the first Nigerian prayer meeting that I attended that 7 p.m. means nothing, right? <laughs> the, the meeting doesn't start till 11 p.m. And I'd already, been, I'd already been praying. And this guy comes out and he says, welcome everybody. He goes, we've got a great night ahead of us. <laughs> I've, I've been praying for three hours, man. <laughs> Anyways, there we go. I'll try to stick with the story here. <laughs> so I did a first degree at the University of Western Ontario. And yeah, there's, at least you guys have been somewhere west down the 401, right? <laughs> and then I went to England, to the London School of Economics. And I studied another spy story from my father's country. I was, in fact, the fourth person in the world to study both the British and American uh, declassified intelligence documents regarding the CIA operation set to derail the process of decolonization in my father's country, known then as British Guyana. Here's why this is relevant. <laughs> my research took a partial record of what happened in one account and compared it with a partial record of what happened in another account on the assumption that the process of partial declassification would not have been so well coordinated as to obscure the truth. Now, of course, there was uh, not a single spy story uh, in Netflix, right, that doesn't go something like this. You know Netflix? You guys know Netflix? So, do you know, by the way, we have a Netflix series being filmed at our church right now in Montreal. Isn't that cool? We have, we have Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston are hanging out in our church right now. Isn't that pretty fun? There's still a Sunday service going on. They didn't get to do that part. But I've worked it out. I'm really praying that, because, you know, you don't want to bug them too much, right? You want to just let them do their kind of thing. I'm really hoping Adam Sandler will agree to sing the Hanukkah song with me for our Christmas promo. For our, wouldn't that be the coolest church Christmas promo ever? Adam Sandler sings the Hanukkah song with the pastor. And then we say, if you want to hear where the story ends, it's Jesus. You know, we, we could try that one. Anyways, so that's really happening. And uh, it's not a spy story. But in Netflix, here's back to my point. Whenever I do this, it means, let me just stick with the script here. Uh, is, you know, a spy story has that to it, doesn't it? You get... Uh, an investigator that finds a partial piece of evidence, happenstance helps them come across an unlocking clue, and presto, 
solve the case. In the book of Acts, we have all kinds of stories of this nature. And one of the most exciting is what we call the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were waiting after Jesus' death and resurrection to see when Jesus would come back as the triumphant Savior to free them from Roman tyranny. They pray, like we did. They wait. And suddenly, the sound like a rushing wind comes through the room. Tongues of fire rest upon them. And they are given the miraculous ability to speak to each other and at least 3,000 others in their respective native languages. What we know about these disciples is that they come from a small rural environment. And it was extremely unlikely that they would have been able to speak those languages through any kind of natural learning. You see, we take the evidence of where they came from the account of what happened on that day, the onward evidence of the church which exploded across the Roman Empire, and we conclude that these Galileans must indeed have been given this gift of tongues and that it really worked. Now, I have a couple of connections to this area, not too many, uh, but one of them was uh, we had a family friend who, who grew up in Bowmanville. Bowmanville, come on, Bowmanville, come on. You know, Bowmanville. And they grew up in Bowmanville, so we got to go to Bowmanville as a kid. And I remember meeting a man there who was the dad of our family friend called Mr. Skinner. Okay? Now, Mr. Skinner, I know nothing about farmers in Bowmanville right now and their various levels of education in foreign languages. Okay? So if I'm stepping on any toes of any farmers, including any descendants of Mr. Skinner right now, you guys, um, I, please forgive me. But look, I'm talking almost 40 years ago. If I had have heard somebody from that background speaking Cantonese, right, I would have been a bit surprised. In the same way, these Galilean fishermen, having been given this ability to speak and the evidence that it worked, we pull those pieces of evidence together and we say, it, it seems like that actually happened. You see, we put together evidence of this kind all the time to make our judgments about the world. Isn't that right? For me, after I finished my master's degree, I found myself working in a big advertising agency in, in London. This is still in England. And as I said earlier, I'd grown up in a Christian family, but if someone were to look at the evidence of my life at that point, I'm afraid that my, my partying and my relationships would not have pointed anyone towards Christ, they would have just pointed myself to myself. Hmm? And then I found a church called Holy Trinity Brompton, the home of the Alpha Course. The evidence which led me to this church was not a particular spiritual hunger. It was not a life crisis or the direct voice of God. It was, in fact, the church halfway between my agency and my apartment. And the evidence I discovered upon walking past this church every day is there were some of the most beautiful women I had ever seen in my life were pouring out of the doors of this church. And so I thought I better pursue this strand of evidence and find out what's going on. Now, this was an Anglican church. And although I had grown up in a Presbyterian church, 
I had gone to an Anglican school, and this meant that I knew exactly when to stand up and when to sit down. <laughs> this Anglican church was different. People had their hands in the air. They were praising God like they actually believed He was God. My main response was, this is unnecessary. <laughs> I am a Christian, and this kind of bonus round stuff is nice for them, but surplus to my particular needs. I had, however, already pinged, pinged their newcomer, you know, alert system. Uh, by the way, a friend of mine was here visiting. I don't think he's been able to join us today, but he was coming to C4, and I, I sent Chris a message. I said, my friend's coming. Here's what he looks like. And Chris was able to send a message to the whole welcome team on the Slack system, and my friend was welcomed really well by you guys. I want to say thank you for that. Isn't that awesome? Let's thank all the people who make that happen. You know? I went back to our welcome team. I said, guys, we're using Slack. It's over. We're making that change. Um, now, these people were programmed to try to get me to go on their alpha course, okay? They said, this guy's come in, he, you know, they didn't say he won't put his hands in the air, so we'll send him to the alpha course. They had just realized that probably somebody who'd come from a traditional church background and was starting to ask some questions should probably go. Now, I, everything they tried to do to get me to do what they wanted, I resisted. However, I found that the aforementioned beautiful girls were also attending the Alpha course, and so I thought, I, I will go on that basis. <laughs> One of my main claims to fame, and if you don't know about Alpha, it's run here at C4 all the time. It's a 10-week introductory course to Christianity, and it's uh, run by all kinds of different churches around the world, some 30 million people in over 100 languages have been using Alpha. The Catholic Church had come to Holy Trinity Brompton and said, we would like to run a similar thing to Alpha, and could we just take your material and run it? And Holy Trinity Brompton said, no, but you can build this one with us. And as a result, the Roman Catholic Church was the first church to join the Anglican Church, who were then joined by Baptists and Pentecostals and all the big church movements around the world to develop this global tool. Now, I didn't know that at the time. I just thought they wanted to get me to go on their discussion group. And in the middle of this thing, every time there was this part called the Holy Spirit Weekend. Have you heard about this? So that was the part where I dropped out every time for three, to three, three times through the course. I'm a three-time Alpha course dropout. <laughs> Here's the reason why. I wanted to see what they were doing when nobody was looking when there was no welcome team, when there was no program to go to. So I snuck in to one of their Bible study groups, which was what you were supposed to do after going on Alpha. Guess what I found? I found they were doing the exact same thing they were doing in the church as on the Alpha course as in their Bible studies. They were praying for each other all the time. They would they would sing songs even without a worship band. Can you imagine? They, they studied the Bible, and there was no ordained minister in their group. Have you ever heard about this kind of thing? 
I went and told them they should be glad that I was there because although I'd grown up in the church, I had by that point investigated many other faiths. And although they were very interested in Jesus, they could perhaps use my perspective to bring in some of the other ideas and that they should be very thankful that I had now arrived. <laughs> they did not kick me out. I met another friend at that time who uh, they'd invited me to go and volunteer at the church. They, they said I should take a day off of my job and volunteer in the church. Can you imagine? So I did that, and I thought, they should know that I am volunteering, so they should give me a very good job. Like, and there were all these bishops coming from around the world, and I thought, I could be the head of the welcome team if I'm going to take a day off work, right? They put me not even in the main coat check, but the secondary coat check where you go when the people from the first coat check go to put all the excess coats. So I didn't get to say hi to anybody, right? So I was grumbling in the back of this group. One of the men uh, with me in that group, he was also grumbling, and we got each other grumbling even more. We were very effective. And, and I said, well, what do you do during the day? He said, well, I'm a farmer. I said, what kind of farm? Where is your farm? He said, well, I have a game ranch in South Africa. I have a winery in Italy, and my main farm is near Oxford, right? I said, oh, that, that's an interesting kind of farmer. What else do you do? It turns out he was the marketing director of one of Britain's biggest electronics retailers, who was easily supposed to be one of my clients in my day job that I had taken a day off holiday from. You see, the Lord was beginning to catch up with me every place I was going for a back room, he seemed to be able to find me there. I sat in the back of one of those Bible studies with a friend who became my best friend. His dad was an Anglican minister, so I figured he should surely know that this church was, you know, beyond requirements. And he said, he said to me, he said, I wonder if it's possible that these people have something that we don't have. And we sat in the back of the group and said, Lord Jesus Christ, if you are who these people say you are, it's possible we may have never known you before. Please come into our lives. And God answered that prayer in the most incredible way. We found people came around us they came to teach us and teach us how to study the Bible, how to pray. Before you know it, we were leading these little groups where they had Bible studies with no pastors. In fact, we were the closest thing there was to a pastor. And the Lord started growing these groups. They would train us some more. We would go out and we realized people needed helping. So we would go, one day we decided to take down all the prostitutes' calling cards in all the phone booths in Kensington. They're all filled with cards that say, call this person for a sexual relationship. We would go and take those down instead of having our Bible study group. I thought we'd get kicked. I thought, this is really enough. And they said, that was a great idea. We should all go and do that regularly. I thought, this is unbelievable. What is going on in this church? That they would take people like us and I'm not even sure, did God really answer that prayer? Is he really working in my life? Is it the same Jesus they were talking about? Is it him? 
really us? You see, what had happened, the experience of God's presence had overcome my learning, had overcome my understanding of the Bible, had even overcome my conscious will. And God seemed to be answering that question almost as if he was going ahead of me. Looking back, I think perhaps that was one of the most important aspects of my conversion, of understanding, as I have to remind myself so often, that actually God has gone ahead of us. Amen? He has gone ahead of us to conquer death. He's gone ahead of us to conquer and once and for all silence the enemy. I often remind the enemy now when I'm praying. I say, enemy, I remind you, your days are numbered. I remind you, you are not a creative enemy. You're not creative like my God. Your days are numbered. You've got so little. You're so boring. I silence you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why? Is it because of my clever prayer? It's because God went ahead of me. He's went ahead of you. He's gone ahead of every trial and tribulation in this world. This is the faith which we are converted into, not a particular form of words or a particular type or style of church. Here was the most shocking part. I found this evidence which had overcome my life. Actually, did you know everything I just told you had already happened in the Bible? Did you know about this? Let, let me read this to you. Let me read you. Acts chapter 2. This is what happened after that day of Pentecost. They didn't have any training. They didn't have any discipleship programs. All we know is that the Holy Spirit moved, and then the following things happened. The, they devoted themselves, from verse 47, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Well, I, I had been seeing that. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I heard just now about another home, or, or maybe the first home, I, I don't know if I heard it correctly, about being given into this work here against human trafficking, people selling properties. I've seen it happening here, and it was happening then. Every day, they continued to meet in the temple courts. And the temple courts, of course, was the public square. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. You see, the day of Pentecost... And this story of the early church, the first story of the early church we have, is the largest conversion story in the Bible, 3,000 on one day in one moment, and it's the simplest picture of the church, 
which could make it one of the most effective blueprints for the church. And guess what? We hardly know anybody's names from that story. We know it happened. If it hadn't have happened, we've got a lot of explaining to do about how the church grew to where it did. Yet the stories of each one of those people is a story that God knows. Those saints know. But in this story, we have to put those pieces of evidence together just as we do in our own lives. Now, you would have thought at a certain point they would have worked out. I was just some, you know, advertising guy from Canada, uh, you know, who learned to read the, you know, like lead a little Bible study thing and put on the Alpha videos, uh, you know. Guess what they said? They said, you should go and plant some churches. They said, in fact, our training system broke and we're building a new one and we want you to be in the pilot group of the Church of England's new, Church of England's like 20,000 denom- uh, churches and we want you to be in the pilot group of new people we're going to train. <laughs> I said, you guys got to be joking. They said, no. And we're going to send you out as an apprentice. I went and um, I remember very clearly, my wife Celine, who's here with me today, and our, our kids are back in Montreal, they're just little tiny ones, and they're, one of our cousins is looking after them. Uh, but, you know, so Celine remembers very clearly the first sermon I ever preached. One of the old boys out in the church, and I'll tell you more about this, where we would go and get old churches reopened. Okay, that was the big thing. That's what it meant for us to do church planting. We'd take all these old churches, we had 8,000 of them closed in the UK over the last 25 years. 8,000. And so our model, we had all these people coming to faith on Alpha, and maybe they were just like people like me, just normal people. But then we said, we, we may as well, better off, rather than close that church, we may as well just send these people with kind of the Alpha course videos, and then usually, I'll, I'll be honest, we would usually add at least one guy with a guitar, okay? Because the pipe organs usually were not in very good shape by the time you close the church and the humidity and all that kind of stuff. So we would do that, and I remember my first sermon. And one of the old boys, he shuffled up. You know, the, you know the old man shuffle? He shuffled up, and he turned to me like this. He shook my hand. He said, well done, Graham. I stayed awake for much longer than I normally do. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first sermon. I thought, this is good, man. I, 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 rock, I smashed it, right? Anyways, the next one, what would then happen, the problem is some of the older folks would really want to come back and join the new teams. But sometimes they'd be so happy that we'd reopened their church that they would, they would die fairly shortly after we'd got it going, <laughs> which, which wasn't very helpful for the church growth numbers, right? <laughs> And the bishop be like, how's the congregation? Well, I killed off a few of them, bishop. I didn't mean to, you know. Anyways, so the next church, <laughs> next church, this lady says, Doreen, she says, look, Graham, I don't like this style of worship. All this guitars and hands in the air. I don't like it. But what I don't like even more is an empty church. So if you're bringing in the kids then I'm for whatever you're doing, and I'm for you. She was a formidable lady, by the way, and there'd be many things in the community she'd been against, and she'd, she'd been single-handedly able to tank a lot of them. So I was glad this was great. Anyway, six months later, terminal cancer, she's on her deathbed, and all the things are hanging down. Oh, I missed this part. Her favorite song 
was this song called, it goes, are you ready, ready, ready? Ring-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding. And it's about the church bells where you pull, that's the action song, right? You pull the bells. And she loved that song. Now there she is on her deathbed with the IV lines hanging down. She couldn't speak. She was intubated. All she could say was with her hands, I'm ready. While we were watching this happen in the UK, and as I mentioned, our team, it was awesome. Like, we've seen more than 50 churches now reopened. It's been so exciting. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And I, I, I want to say to you, this is a slightly unauthorized message about Alpha. Are you ready? Like, Alpha is used in so many different ways. The main way we used it was as our primary church planting tool. That was what we did. And I think that's why Alpha took off the way it did in the UK. And I'd love to see it being used here more. We use it as our main tool here in Montreal to get people going because it brings people from so many different church backgrounds and no background or kind of mixed up background like I was. It brings us together in an easy environment. But uh, we were looking at this and we said, what's going on in Canada? I'm from Canada. By that point, I'd been in the UK for 14 years. I'd met my wife, Celine, who's from France. We had our, two of our kids there, and we're thinking, maybe we should go back to Canada and try to see if there's any use for any of this kind of stuff. We prayed. We asked for the bishop's permission, and they said, you can go on one condition, that you do everything you possibly can to wake up the church in Canada to the importance of these city center locations. Amen? And I want to tell you guys here at C4, uh, the, the happy end of the story is, we're going to get to that, it's coming, coming up not too long from now, that C4 is very involved in the coolest, most exciting parts of where I think this story is going, with how we get these old church buildings going here in Canada. And my story of coming here is I went. They said, you can go. The bishop said, you can go, Graham. You can have a cover story as being a minister in the churches and stuff like that. But your real mission is to get this system changed. So I went around to any bishops who would agree to see me, any denominational leaders. I didn't care where they were from. I would just knock on their door and say, Bishop, would you like to talk about these buildings that are closing? Because, you know, do you have a plan? Or would you like to make one? And, and almost every case, it was the same thing. They'd open the door, close the door. By the way, this is like I had a meeting with them. I'm not talking about physically going to their office and knocking the door first. And they would say, we, we are so scared. We don't have a plan. We don't know what we're going to do. So I, I went to the more evangelical side called Church Planting Canada, who was representing all the different groups trying to plant churches in Canada. And I said, guys, are you guys talking about all these buildings? And by the way, why don't you have the United Church here with you? They're closing a thousand churches in the next five years. And they said, well, we, you know, we're not so sure we agree with the United Church on everything. I said, hold on a minute. You guys have got five different Baptist groups in this group. <laughs> you don't even agree with the Baptists in this group. How about this group doesn't need to have agreement? How about we just call this the empty table around which the network's planting churches in Canada may gather? And it's a table for adults. So if you don't like what somebody else brought for lunch, guess what? Don't have to eat it. <laughs> you know what they said? They said, please, will you be the executive director? 
And I'm thinking, I said, you guys know I'm an Anglican minister, right? This is, you guys are going to get in a lot of trouble for this. They said, we know. And you know, we went from 15 denominations to now 25 denominations. We now, at our last gathering, we had 42 denominations from around Canada gathering to talk about this issue. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. And you guys, you guys are a huge part of that. Uh, both through AGC and through C4. We've been praying for the C4 conference, which in my mind, in my view, is one of the best conferences to look at where we go with those who've come from, let's just call it very broadly, a kind of Willow Creek heritage, to say, what does that look like now? Where are we going with those models? Where, where does the large church model go? I think you guys are doing an incredible job at looking at that. And it has been a great privilege to work with Reverend Dave and uh, Reverend John, Reverend Chris, and uh, they like me calling them Reverend, by the way. And uh, so there we go. That's their legal title, by the way. You can call them pastor if you want, but today, let's just stick with Reverend. And, uh, you know, it's a privilege to look at this. And here's where we're going, folks. What we've realized, these buildings are so difficult to run. And the ones that are in the best locations, it's very difficult to work at the financial uh, issues to do with land ownership, leasing usage, that we've worked out, it actually might be way better for us to build community centers rather than build churches out of these buildings, right? You can clap if you want because it's an automatically good idea, isn't it? Think, hold on a minute, but what about this? If we run them, well, we can just make it clear as part of the deal, we still get to put churches there on Sundays, right? In fact, we could probably put four churches there on a Sunday, right? We know we, how to fit two services in here or in Bowmanville, or up in, you know, we, 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 can do, we can do this all over the place. Why couldn't we share this church building? Actually, the day of Pentecost prophesies that we should be at this issue by now. Amen? We should be having church in every language. We should be meeting from around the, from around the world. We should be bringing all the riches of what happened on that day on Acts 2, 42 to 47, when they had that model of church that exploded. It went all around the world, and guess what? The world's coming back together, and it comes around in places like Ajax and Toronto and Montreal and Canada. So if we're ready for this, and we remember our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities, which need to be set in their right place. Actually, we can say, how do we create houses of blessing? Places where the whole community can gather. We run them as secular places. And this is our, our vision for what I'm working on next. It's called the Trinity Centers Foundation. And we're trying to build Trinity Centers. We haven't launched it yet. Uh, this is part of our kind of pre-launch, just me talking to you now. And we're going to be launching it in the fall to say, let's see 100 buildings in Canada turned into incredible community centers that could also be locations where we could plant a C4. We could have fun with that. Isn't that fun? If any of you are extraordinarily wealthy, I don't know if you are, but you're welcome to help, and I'll have a special conversation with you afterwards because there are all kinds of issues that we need to talk about. But actually, what we've found, do you know, for me, that church took where I was working in advertising, and I began to find a place where I realized God was catching up with me. 
We've been working out with the Trinity Center's idea. There are so many people who have expertise in property finance, in bond issues, who are urbanists, who are planners, who are architects. They have one man who, who, one man who has experience with one of Canada's largest companies that runs shopping malls. He wept. He said, I, I have had a dream of this happening. And I've been working in this area my whole life, and I've loved the Lord Jesus my whole life, but nobody ever really asked me to use my skills in seeing this kind of thing happen. You see, the Lord catching up with you may well redeem some other part of what you've come to the table with. Amen? The Lord working in your life, as He's worked in my life, is not a function of your clever conjuring up the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's Him working ahead of you, redeeming and using every gift that you have. The evidence in my life is that I have been turned with, with all my faults, all the things I have yet to learn, all the things, if you want the real list, I can invite my wife to come forward and she, she will give that to you. I'm sure it will be very similar to many of your lists. Despite those things, the Lord has turned my heart towards His causes. You know, He, he knew the name of every one of those 3,000 people that day. He knows your name too. Amen. 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 We're going to journey in a moment towards the Lord's table. And we're going to do that in a way that will be very similar to what you guys often do. I know you, you celebrate uh, communion in many different ways. We're going to do it in a way today that maybe, maybe is a little bit more Anglican. But here's something just before we do that. I want to ask you to do. Could you please close your eyes? What closing your eyes does is gives you privacy to uh, let me know where you're at without uh, necessarily being embarrassed uh, by someone else. And so if you, you could keep your eyes closed, it's a way of respecting the people around you. I'd like to ask you this. If you're somebody here, and we're going we're gonna to be praying about this in a moment after the Lord's Supper a bit more, but I want to get you ready for that. If you're somebody where you say, you know what, I kind of came from like a similar kind of background to Graham. Maybe it was, you know, like an Anglican church or Catholic church or Presbyterian or United or whatever. And when I, when I shared a bit of my story, you said, you know what, I, I'm, maybe I'm even in the same boat as that right now. Where maybe I found the expression of faith here, something that is new to me or maybe harder for me to connect with. And actually, you want to make that sign today to say, actually, Lord, you know, I, I journeyed a lot farther than maybe I thought because you went ahead of me. If that's you, 
in the privacy of everyone's eyes being closed, I want to invite you to just put up your hand. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Keep your hand up because I want to pray for you in a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for everyone with their hand up now. Where the enemy has sown seeds of despair and doubt, I break the power of the enemy's lies in Jesus' name. And I say those lies have no purchase over these people. I break them now, once and for all. Not tomorrow, not later on. And I also break with it any associated lies that would go there. And I say in Jesus' name those lies be broken and have no place here. And any power of the enemy involved in there be broken and sent away and bound up to where Jesus needs it to go. Put your hands down now. I invite you to put your hands down. But as you receive the Lord's, uh, as you receive Holy Communion in a moment, I want you to know and receive the Lord's power to bring you past that point. Secondly, again, with your eyes closed, everyone, invite you, if you know you are someone who has really struggled with the evidence of the power and presence of the Lord Jesus in this world and in your life. And actually, you need to sit down and do some putting together of the puzzle where you say, you know, I have seen that piece and that piece and that piece, but you know, I don't think I've taken the time to put those things together. One minister, a uh, friend of mine, he said, you know, sometimes you want to pray. Sometimes you want to want to pray. And this is a minister telling me this. He said, even there's some times where you want to want to want to pray. If you're even as far back as that, I remind you that my Lord Jesus promises that faith as small as a mustard seed is enough to draw you to Him. Amen? If you want to speak about that faith of the mustard seed today, and you want to do some time putting that evidence together that your faith would be stronger, I invite you again. Would you put up your hand in the privacy of everyone's eyes being closed? Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I want to declare over you guys that it is not in your strength. It is not by your might or your will, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. The book is Zerubbabel. I pray by His Spirit the Lord would give you this gift. your hands down now and you can open your eyes to remember the story which is alive among us now the story which our Lord Jesus Christ began on the night on which he was betrayed when he met in the upper room with his disciples he gathered them around the table and he began to explain the story of his death and his resurrection and its meaning to them on that Passover night after supper he took the bread and he gave you thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, take, 
eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he gave you thanks and he gave it to them all, saying, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Before we receive at the Lord's table, we call to mind those things which we've done which we ought not to have done, those things which we've left undone which we ought to have done. And we remember that we are united in all falling short of the glory of God. I invite you to be still and make the, your confession before God in the quiet of your heart. Remember that our Lord God is slow to anger and quick to forgive. We receive now his forgiveness. I pray that Almighty God would pardon and deliver you of all your sins, cleanse and renew you in all righteousness, and bring you to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.